0: Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. Although we are often considered a cowboy church, we are actually a community of diverse people from many different backgrounds who have a common commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. We're so uh, thrilled to be a part of a body with so many different parts and so many different people and it's great to be a part of the family of God. And uh, just like the kids being called to the table, we arrive at communion table this morning to celebrate uh, the body of Christ and we are that body of Christ as well. Normally we have a testimony on this Sunday, on the Communion Sunday, but unfortunately those uh, the person who was going to do that was unable to, so Beth said, Pastor John, can, I'm going to be away. can you just jump in? So I'm sorry, you're getting an extra dose of me, I apologize for that, but here you go. We uh, want to talk about communion today and another aspect of it we don't often consider, but we should. There are many reasons why we take communion. Uh, one of the major reasons is because Christ asked us to and commanded us to in remembrance of him. But we also take communion as a declaration of our faith and we often consider that. Here the saint and sinner meet as equals before the throne of God and by the mercy of Jesus Christ when we take communion. Yet this act of communion Instituted by Jesus Christ himself is more than just your individual experience, which is important, but it's more than that. It's actually much deeper. The expression of faith is also a preparation of the church of God to move forward in power and authority. Communion is a prerequisite for the uniting of the church and the unleashing of miracles in our midst. It's a united declaration of faith that we make together. It is the beginning of revivals. It is the beginning of salvation for many people that aren't even here and have never heard the gospel. When we take communion together in this way, the way Christ intended us to do, we are prepared for great spiritual battles. We're arming ourselves and to receive the mighty hand of God working through us in spiritual gifts and it begins biblically with communion did you know that as we look at the word today I'm going to take you on a journey through a few verses to point this out why communion is one of the foundation stones for these great truths I hope that we can blow off the dust of history that has hidden the communion table under layers of tradition and neglect We need to find the power that is there and the secrets that dwell deeper than we had thought and consider and go to the very heart of who we are as a congregation. There is a fresh flow of the Holy Spirit in our midst. I see it all the time. It's moving in a lot of people's. People's spirits are being stirred. There's salvation is occurring. Faith is occurring. Power is occurring. People are saying I'm beginning to see God's hands move in my life, and it's amazing. Even this morning, I've heard it again. Every time I show up here, Pastor, I can't wait to tell you this. I, I, every day I show up, someone's telling me that, about what is God is doing. And that's really great, because uh, I've been to a lot of churches, and most times what I hear is, Pastor, you won't believe what happened to me today. It's so horrible, and that's usually what I hear. I don't hear excited Christians, oh, God, so cool, he's doing this, and it's so powerful, and it's so wonderful. And that comes from communion. We're about to hear from God's word, and the enemy does not want you to know this. Satan has tried to hide precious promises from believers with doctrinal divisions, individual isolation, and narcissistic needs. He's tried to hide these secrets from us. Even now, he's fighting hard to keep me from preaching this message. And I appreciate those that are praying for me. The enemy has been very clever in his deceit. They cannot hide what's in the word of God. Today, we're not here only to receive, as we already have, the grape juice and the bread, the symbols of Christ's death and resurrection in our lives, but also to enter into a kingdom full of wonders, of the power of God. These miracles that we're looking for are inside of you. Each one of you, you are carrying miracles and wonders inside of you. Each of us is a part of God's plan, believe it or not, to transform the world. And he's going to do this by transforming us as a congregation. As we move deeper into the communion truths that we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look less like the world and we're going to start looking a lot more like the kingdom God has come and has arrived in our midst. Would you like to know more? We could have gone home early. All right. So open your Bibles. We're going to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Book of Acts, chapter 2. Some of you are picking up your cell phones and finding your online Bibles, Acts chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 42, verse 42. Work our way down to 47. This is coming from the section of the early church when it first began after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is after Peter's famous Pentecost sermon and the Spirit's been poured out and thousands are being saved and repenting. Uh, who had stood at the foot of the cross, jeering and mocking him and calling for his crucifixion. And now they're coming to salvation and to the church. Let's read what this early church was like. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves, their early church, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together together. With glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That might seem like a very familiar passage to you, but I wonder if you're catching the connection between the breaking of bread, the sharing of communion, the devotion, and all that, with the unleashing of the might and the power of God within their midst as a united body of Jesus Christ. After the death and resurrection of of Jesus Christ, remarkable things were taking place. In verse 42, we see the secret to building a powerful presence of Christ in their midst. They realized this was so important that they became devoted to it. Do you know what devotion is? Are you devoted to anything? Are you devoted to coffee? Absolutely. Are you devoted to a hockey team? Are you devoted to your spouse? Well, above all that, these folks were devoted to certain things and that unleashed a power that they had never seen before and people were amazed at. What were they devoted to? Number one, the apostles' teachings. The Bible-inspired, Holy Spirit-revealing, Word of God. They were devoted to that. What is God saying? What is he doing? And what does the word teach? The second thing they were devoted to was to the fellowship of believers. Getting together with brothers and sisters in the Lord, caring and loving for one another with spiritual gifts. And they were devoted to that. They met together in homes, and they broke bread together, praising God for what was taking place. They were home churches all over Jerusalem. They were breaking bread together. They ate, and they shared the Lord's table with one another on a regular basis. And then they prayed. They gathered, and they agreed in prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. And they had powerful prayer. When those four elements existed, there was power within the church, unlike the world had ever seen. Whenever a great move of the Holy Spirit has occurred throughout history, the Holy Spirit revealing move of the Word of God, these four things are in place and are there. Each one is critical to the stirring up and the work of the Holy Spirit In our midst, no one person will bring an awakening in the body of Christ. Now, I'm sure some of you think you're really special, right? And I'm called of God. And if people would just listen to me, do you ever feel this way? If people would just listen to me, I could straighten them all out, right? And although you are very special, you're not that special. You are wonderfully made and God wants to work through you. But it isn't through a person, through a prophet or a unique individual. He wants to move through us all. What happened in the first century church wasn't about Peter. It was about the body of Christ. Some of you know people like uh, Bill Graham, who gets a lot of credit for the work he did years and years ago in his great crusades. But anyone who was involved in that realized it wasn't about him. It was about the thousands of Christians that went through the community and invited people to their homes and were interceding and praying, and Christians from all denominations coming together, praying for the salvation of those who didn't know the Lord, the church united, these four elements were there, evangelism came. People in the wonder of God descended. And it has always happened this way. It's not about any one of us, but what God wants to do through us all. What must change if we're going to say yes to these four life-giving principles, these four revival bases of an exploding church, is we also have to say no to four corresponding things that block the flow of the Holy Spirit. The first one is disrespect for teachers of the Word of God. The second is church shopping. Have you ever been guilty? Church shopping and thinking that the church is there to serve your needs. You are there to serve Christ. We are, the church doesn't exist to meet your needs. Religious attitude of giving God a little so you can get a whole lot. We try to make bargains with God. And then finally, the cursing, the gossiping, the accusing, and the dividing of the body of Christ. If you find these four things in a body, you're looking at a church that is struggling to stay alive because they are working against the four things that will transform them into a functioning presence of Jesus Christ in this world. If we're going to be devoted ourselves to Christ and to the church as the bride of Christ and the body of Christ on earth, then we must let our yes be yes, and our no be no, as Christ says in Matthew 5:37. anything beyond that is sin. We've got to affirm that we are for the body of Christ. My calling as a minister of the gospel many, many years ago when I was in high school is I began to, what they used to say, the old timers within my church said, they would come up to you and say, have you seen the church yet? So said, what do you mean? I just walked into the building. No, no, not the building. Have you seen the church yet? And what they meant is, have you had a revelation of what the church really is? Do you understand what God's church is all about and what he intends for it? And then one day I saw the church as God intended it. And I realized I would die for that. I would lay my life down for that. The church needs to come alive again. It's been battled, it's been beaten, it's been infected, it's been all kinds of things. Because this is the last thing that uh, the enemy ever wants to see. I'm going to tell you a great truth when you see the church, you'll understand this, is that there is only one thing standing between us and Armageddon where everyone kills each other, and that's the church. The only viable force against evil in this world wherever you find it is you all and what god has placed within you but not as individuals but as a united body working together there isn't a one believer here today that isn't needed for the work of the gospel of jesus christ every one of you is absolutely needed in this work When we see this happen, this flow of the Holy Spirit in our midst with these four principles and that presence and that power, amazing things start taking place. And uh, we find ourselves moving from tradition and comfort and familiar things into something bold, something world-shaking, and not of this earth. We need God to flow through each of our lives as a body of Christ and to flow like blood through a body. We see this happening again as uh, Saul becomes Paul. Remember that story? Through salvation in Jesus Christ, he is transformed. He's on fire. He's preaching the gospel instead of persecuting the church. He's done a 360. And early in his missionary journeys, we see this account of Jesus Christ. So now turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. Acts chapter 20, 7 through 12. This is an early account of uh, Paul's journeys. This remarkable man who was turned around, bent on destroying the church to championing the church. And I pray that many more will have a Paul-like experience. Acts chapter 20, 7 through 12 reads this way. On the first day of the week, we came together to what? Break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. This is one of my favorite passages. <laughs> so settle in, folks. Get another cup. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. And seated in the window was a young man named Thank you, Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. Look to your left and your right. See anyone like that? Is there a Eutychus here? Give him a little poke. Wake him up. All right. And he was going on and on, and he when he was sound asleep as he drifted off, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, feeling guilty about it, put his arms around him and said, Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again, broke bread, and ate. And after talking until daylight, he didn't stop. Past midnight. They went all night long. Then he left. The people took the young man home alive. And were greatly comforted. Again, communion and the wonder of God. Devoting themselves to what? The apostles' teachings to the word of God. They made this their devotion, even if it was an all-nighter. And that's what this was. I get it. Some of us have busy lives. Anyone has got busy lives? Too busy. And you just want to go home. You want to go home and have a rest. And you think... You might wonder how I know this because I've thought it. All right, Here's the thoughts that I pass around. Why does this preacher have to go so long? And why do we need all these Bible studies? The idea that one person should stand up there and tell us what to think is stupid. Because it's only one person's point of view. And it is no more valid than any other person's point of view. And sometimes we wish that preacher would just tell us what we, would stop telling us what we already know rather than bring in all this new stuff. Just tell us the old stuff over again. Other times we wish the preacher wasn't so boring and predictable even though we want him to tell us what we already know. If you're thinking in this way, you don't really understand the passage we just read. Early believers in in Jerusalem, And also in this community where Paul is, they couldn't get enough of the Word of God. They hung on every word. They realized what was being said was going to change their lives. The early Christians wanted to hear what God was saying to them through Paul before he left. They realized it was going to be a while before we see him again. I want everything I can get out of this guy. And they were devoted to every word, not because it was Paul, but because God was speaking through Paul. They couldn't get enough of it. When this happens, the Spirit really begins to flow with more power as that word is treasured and honored. Friends, I have been guilty of being a blood clot within the body of Christ. More than once, I have sat in the back of a congregation. That back row back there. Everyone turn around and look at the back row. (laughs) Thank you. They all think they're hiding back there and no one notices them, so we'll put them on the spot. So I've sat in the back row as a preacher and as a minister. I've sat in the back row. And back there I have sat and I've been a blood clot within the body of Christ. I've sat there and I've criticized the preacher in my mind. I never say it out loud, but in my heart, I'd say, well, that's the wrong point. He used the wrong scripture. They're, they're heading down the wrong road. I would have done it this way if I were them. I would have done it much different." And then thinking, well, should I go correct them after the service and praise them and make a few pointers of how they could do a little... I have been a blood clot in the body of Christ. The Bible tells us that there were those in the early church who were also blood clots within the body of Christ. They had them then, just like me. And it's a bit convicting when you read about yourself in the Bible. Have you ever had that? So... Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10.10 10, and associate it with this passage we just read where people are devoted to what Paul said. They, st- they did an all-nighter with him. A person even died listening to him and came back to life and they kept at it. That's how devoted they were. 2 Corinthians 10.10, 10, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church which he helped established. They're having an issues and Paul tells this Paul knows what's going on. He knows what people are thinking, just like you and I know. And this is what he writes. For some say, his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he's unimpressive, and his speaking amounts to nothing. So Paul has read his reviews, and they're not good. As a public speaker, he's not cutting it. And and that's kind of discouraging. He says, some of you are giving me bad reviews, and I'm I'm aware of that. And then he also says, in another section, he said, if it was Apollos or Paul, most of you would choose Apollos because he's good looking, he sounds really good, and he's elegant. Oh, we like Apollos. Paul's a good writer, but he puts me to sleep when he shows up and he actually does the speaking, as he did this guy in this book. But in one church, they're devoted to the word that God was saying, whether it was through Paul or Apollos or Peter. It didn't matter who it was coming through as long as it was God speaking. You hear what I'm saying? And they were devoted to that. They wanted that above everything else. The Corinthian church was slipping into blood clots where they say, well, if it's Paul and he doesn't entertain very well, I'm not listening to what God is saying. Do You hear what I'm saying? Have you ever been a blood clot within the body of Christ? So get this. Paul is this unimpressive, unskilled public speaker was holding the attention of the people of Troas. They were hanging on every word and wanting every bit of what the Holy Spirit was speaking through him. They were devoted to the teaching of the word of, from the word of God and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The blood clots of Corinth were not there to snipe from the back room, and the Spirit flowed in a mighty way. Our recent experience with medical issues has taught me more about blood clots. Sandra and I uh, have been on a journey together with her health, and at one point a blood clot formed in her arm, and uh, kind of scared us because we'd never seen that before, but chemo will do this occasionally. And a blood clot formed. Well, not being medical people, we didn't know much about this. But I quickly learned more and more about it, and we asked doctors and nurses, and we researched it. And what we thought they would do is rotor rooter Don't you just send something down the tube and clean that blood clot out and pump it through and get it moving again. But apparently that's not what you do. Apparently it clogs up and uh, that vein is uh, hardens and then the body allows it to uh, close off and die. And then a spidery pattern of veins form in and around where the vein was. And they build a bypass around where the clot was. They tell me that over time that old dead blood clot will dissolve and be consumed and consumed into the body. But uh, in the meantime, fresh new roots are found. That was troubling because I have confessed to be a blood clot within the body of Christ. God does the same thing. His spirit's going to flow, but it's not going to flow through the blood clot. It's going to find another path to flow through. And if I remain in that position, I get cut off from what God is doing. Have you ever been a blood clot? Don't be a blood clot. Allow God to move in your life by keeping those four principles in your mind, allowing the Holy Spirit to flow by devoting to the teaching of the Word and to the apostles, to one another in love, the breaking of bread and fellowship to the body of Christ, and praying for each other. We could easily fall asleep spiritually even as the young man who fell out of the third story window did. And we can be caught ourselves in the midst of a missing the flow of the holy spirit in our life yet it's not too late to get connected and to honor the body of christ despite all of its flaws because you are fearfully and wonderfully made god chooses to work through the dishonorable to bring honor to god he chooses to work through the weak to show his power he works through the less than the brightest bulbs in the pack To show his great wisdom to everybody else. It is because of your flaws, get this, that God does want to work through you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that when he does these things, that there's just no way you get any credit for it because you just couldn't do it on your own. You're just not that bright or powerful or anything else. God has always chosen the weak and the rejected. And he has redeemed them and has done mighty things. Do any of you qualify under that category? We need flawed people so that God can show his might clearly. Here's the deal. Are you ready for a bargain? Here's the deal I will look beyond your faults and see the wonder of Christ in you. If you will look beyond my faults and see the wonder of Christ in me, is it a bargain? Remember the old gospel song? Have you ever heard this one? Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise, for it was by grace that brought me liberty. I do not know just why he ever came to love me so. He looked beyond my faults, and he saw my need. I shall forever lift my eyes to Calvary, to view the cross where Jesus died for me. How marvelous the grace that caught my falling soul. He looked beyond my faults and saw my need. If we could begin there, we'll not just see the needs of others, we will see the glory of Christ that dwells in the born-again believer. Can we do for one another what Christ has done for us? That would seem only right. Communion is not just about your relationship with Christ. The sacred act of faith is also about your relationship with the church of God. They are tied to each other and our spiritual health. And even our physical health is affected by this. Did you know that? Let's read one more passage. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So we're leaving Acts behind, and now we're moving into the next letters of the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 27 to 32. 27 to 32. And Again, communion comes up. So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without, what, discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we are more discerning with regards to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. For years I have read this passage from 1 Corinthians and I thought it was encouraged me to quietly consider my relationship with the Lord And if we were on good terms, God, are we good? All right, okay. Then it was okay for me to participate in communion. Those words, though, in the middle of that passage that says, those who eat and drink without discerning the body. You hear that? I took it to mean I need to recognize the elements represents the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross for my sins. But as I read it today, I see something deeper than that. To discern an obvious meaning is not really an issue because that is the purpose of taking communion, to remember what Christ has done for us. But there is something deeper to discern about the body of Christ. More than blood and flesh, we are here to see the church around us as the body of Christ as well communion is meant to be in fellowship with believers that's why we gathered together to take it that's why they did it in acts that's why they did it in every community where the church every the believers didn't do it just privately individually in their own homes if that's all it was about they gathered to break the bread because you needed to discern that the body wasn't all about you it was about us together and the flow of the holy spirit within us How can we really be right with Christ if we are not right with each other? Amen? Jesus taught us in Matthew 5, verses 23 to 24. Therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and reconcile with them, and then come and offer your gift. My friends, we who are born again by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ should have grace for all those born of water and spirit. If you love the Lord, you must love the bride of the Lord. You can't love the Lord and reject God's church. There are people who like to say, Well, I'm just not uh, an institutional Christian. I don't like the organized church. I have yet to find an organized church. (laughs) Anyplace. But in so doing, if you reject the bride of Christ, you're not on good terms with Jesus himself. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you mess with my wife, we're going to have trouble. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if you mess with the bride of Jesus Christ, you've got a problem with the Lord Jesus Christ he defends the church he defends the temple of God he is the champion of that communion is meant to be in fellowship with believers and reconciliation with one another is a prerequisite for that if your faith has grown cold and it's become more religious check your attitude towards the church of God if you have talked her down or criticized her over the years Then your love of the Lord will also grow cold. It will be tied to it. Do you understand? The Holy Spirit is deeply grieved when we come against the bride of Christ. Go be reconciled with your brother and sister. Pray for the church. Embrace her so that the Lord can embrace you with the same love and forgiveness. We are supposed to be a family together and not critics divided. We have been redeemed for a price and raised from the spiritually dead to serve the Lord, not ourselves. If we can swallow our pride along with the grape juice and the bread, remarkable things take place. If we can get this right, then other things will start going right in our lives. In cursing others, we have cursed ourselves. By blessing others, we will be blessed. By reconciling with our brothers and sisters, we will be reconciled with God himself. By serving our church family, we will know the full power and wonder and miracles of God in our midst. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand with me? And let's have a little talk with God. Lord, we love your church. For it is a creation of your work through the Holy Spirit, through being born again. We thank you for every brother and sister in the Lord. And we thank you for all her flaws and imperfections. For Lord, in contrast, we see the wonder of your Spirit dwelling in our midst and in our lives. Lord, if there is anything that we have done, we confess today against your bride, and we ask for forgiveness for that. And we would be reconciled. We would devote ourselves to the fellowship of believers, to the communion, to the breaking of bread, to the cherishing of the word of God and the teaching of the apostles. We would devote ourselves to praying for one another and caring for one another. And in these simple things, Lord, reveal yourself in might and power. And may the miracles start flowing into our lives that we so desperately need. But let us do it together as a body, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. And I'll see you next week, church. Okay? It is our desire to direct people to the Lord Jesus Christ, the source of all life, hope, and true transformation. Our Sunday service starts at 10.30 a.m. and runs till noonish. All are welcome. Coffee and snacks as served, children's church and child care are available.